Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Shine a Light podcast. This is Megan, and um, I have a guest with me today that is another family member. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Hi, this is Maureen. I am Megan's older sister. Um, I am the mother of two children, Ryan and Kara, um, wife to Dave, who uh, is my high school sweetheart, and I work as a school social worker. And we noted um, as we were chatting that our voices are very similar, um, so you guys might have a hard time telling us apart. What do you want to shine a light on, Maureen? I'm going to shine a light on uh, infertility. Okay. So one of the things that I wanted to get into, I unfortunately have several people in my life who have struggled with this, is before we kind of go into your journey with it, is prior to getting married, did you know about that this could be an issue? Like, did anybody talk to you? Did you know anybody else who had gone through this? No. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I knew of people that had had, like, miscarriages or um, stillborns, things like that. I knew, I, I knew of people, and I obviously I knew that could happen, um, but I did not personally know, nor do I know that I really heard many stories of those that were struggling to conceive. Um, and it certainly wasn't anything, obviously, when you're like a teenager in health class that they ever mm -hmm. talk about. It's kind of the other way around where they seem to talk so much about how they make it's like they make it sound pretty easy yeah to get pregnant right um and you learn instead that it it truly is a miracle because there's so many things that have to happen correctly yeah and when you and dave were kind of going through your pre-marriage classes and and counseling and all that stuff through the through the church that we go to. Did you talk about having kids, and did you talk about what would happen if you couldn't get pregnant, or was that not even something that you thought about? We we talked about having kids. We knew that we both wanted kids. We would talk about how many we wanted. We would we would say three or four is how many we would want. We wanted, um, but never did it even cross our minds that it might be something that might be difficult or might not happen. Yeah. And see, I feel like by the time Tom and I were going through that, that was like a pretty common thing that the people we were with um, in our pre-marriage class talked about is like, but if you can't get pregnant, here's what to do. And that's not even that long in between when you guys, no. you and you and Dave yeah. were doing it and Tom no, and I were it, doing it. So. Again, it was, the, it was like specifically through the church, it was kind of the opposite of like natural family planning yeah. and that kind of discussion, but not anything about if you are having difficulty. Right. So when did you realize that you were dealing with infertility? Oh my gosh. Um, it's crazy that it is like such a huge part of your life. And then yet it's hard to think back to mm -hmm. all specifically all the details. But um, I want to say we were married in 2008. And I want to say that we started trying probably in 2009 or 10. Mm -hmm. Definitely we had like at least a year of marriage before we were like, okay, we was probably closer to two. Okay. Um, and then I want to say it was probably about six months or so after we started trying then I, I I can't remember if I just happened to have my regular like yearly appointment mm -hmm. or not but um I do remember kind of learning that six months is like the general kind of cutoff that if you've been trying for six months without success it's time to start kind of talking to a doctor about it. Okay. And then um, I believe a year of trying with that is, is when they like really say, okay, like there's, there's a problem here. Mm -hmm. So at what point did you guys, was it a year that you decided it was a problem? I, <laughs> I know exact timeline is hard to remember. I, but. I, I, I can't remember. And again, it's weird that I can't remember. Yeah. It was, it's so at the time, it's so fresh. Like, oh, we've been trying for this long. We've been right. trying for this long. We've been trying for this long. I can't remember. But we did end up going um, to see a an infertility 
specialist. Um, yeah, I would guess it was probably about a year after okay. trying. And what happened when you saw the specialist? So, um, you know, they do they do some basic tests, um, you know, for, for both of us. And um, the tests that they ran, the doctor came back and said, you have unexplained infertility, which basically, I guess it's kind of self-explanatory mm-hmm. by title, but like, there's, we can't find any explanation as to why you can't get pregnant. Which is very frustrating because you want a reason. Yes, so it was extremely, it. Yeah. it was extremely frustrating. Like, well, then What's the why problem? is it yeah. not working? Um, so, you know, we kind of laid out, you know, the different options, you know, there's, I think most people think of like in vitro fertilization or IVF Mm -hmm. as the, um, what happens, but there are, there are other options. So, um, he kind of laid out, I, I don't remember, I think we kind of started with what you would consider the like most minimally intrusive okay and then kind of worked our way up can you talk a little bit about first the financial aspect of that so we were i mean that's obviously like a huge piece of it Mm -hmm. we were very lucky in that um our insurance or one of our insurances, we, we switched back and forth between whose insurance we went on a lot. Um, one of our insurance did cover uh, the fertility med- medications, mm-hmm. um, which are, that's like a huge chunk of what makes treatment so expensive are the medications. So okay. our medications were covered. Um, and then with Ryan, um, our, our oldest, we... Um, he was conceived through IUI or interuterine insemination, otherwise known as the turkey baster. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is also, you know, not nearly as expensive as IVF. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like, and, and our insurance, we were lucky enough to cover the, the ultrasounds and things like that. But you're still paying. Um, you know, quite a lot of money yeah. <laughs> out of pocket for um, for those procedures. It's not necessarily the, like, $15,000 of IVF, mm-hmm. but it's still definitely a lot of money, and it, it did not work the first time. Right. So then you're doing it all over again. Yeah, I was going to ask um, how many times with the IUI did you have to do it before it worked? Um. Before we even did IUI, we tried some things where we would, I would, I like took fertility medication um, without the IUI just to see if like a little stimulation and um, that didn't work. I, I think we did the IUI either two or three. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I can't believe that I can't remember exactly anymore, but it was two or th- it was two or three, the second or third time. That it worked, but again, that was after like other kind of methods of stimulation, which mm-hmm. you know, being on fertility medication is not necessarily like the most pleasant. You know, yeah, you're, like, injecting yourself with hormones. Yeah, that was another question of mine: is like medical and just your body. Like you're putting your body through so much. Did you learn a lot about your body during that time? I learned a, not necessarily like my specific body. I I do think that my body like adjusted pretty well to the mm-hmm. to the hormones. I don't remember having any like serious significant waves of emotion or anything like that. I mean, obviously like physically there's some side effects um that you might get like when you are pregnant, right? Mm-hmm. Like your breasts are sore and yeah. that kind of stuff. Um but I definitely learned a lot, a lot, a lot just about kind of, as I was saying in the beginning about like what it takes to make a baby Yeah. and it, there's, there's so many things that have to happen correctly right. in order for it to work. So I learned a, a lot about like the science of that. Okay. Um, so as you were going through all of this, how open were you with telling other people? Um, not really that 
open um, for probably a, a lot of different reasons. One, I would say in general, I'm, I tend to be more kind of like a private person. Mm-hmm. Um, two, I think there's a piece of like all of, you know, we were at a stage of our lives where all of our friends were yeah getting pregnant and you um, almost feel like you don't want them to feel bad. Mm-hmm for what you're going through. You want them to still be able to enjoy, um, you know, you don't want people worrying about you. Oh, and I would say, I've also kind of thought of it as like, people don't really talk about their sex life. (laughs) Yes. You know, and, and it's kind of like that. Like people aren't like, oh, we like had sex last night to try to have a baby. Yeah, Yeah. So why would I say like, oh, we had did an IUI yesterday to try to have a baby. Right. Uh, were people, pre- I know the answer to this, but were people pressuring you to have babies and how, how did that feel to you guys as you were like, we're trying so, so hard to have a baby? Um, it's really frustrating. It's, yeah. it, I mean, I, I get it because it's one of those things that like, unless you've been through it, you don't really think about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that, again, in being in that stage of your lives, it's just like a conversation starter people have. Yeah. It's like, oh, when are you getting married? It's when like are the you next step that kids? everybody assumes you're going to take. It's just like almost like when there's a lull in conversation, that's what you asked about. Um, but it, it, I mean, people unintentionally, there were some kind of uh, like hurtful things said mm-hmm. to us. Um, and yeah, just just kind of the asking in general, it's like a, another reminder yeah. of what's what's not happening. And um, but you don't you you don't really know how to say without like snapping going into all of it. <laughs> I feel like I'd snap. I'm like, we're dying. <laughs> so depending on kind of how far in our journey it was and who was asking, uh, I think our response changed throughout the years. Yeah. You mentioned in your email, too, that there's, like, a grief that goes along with infertility. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's just like any grief, it's a loss, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you um, it's a, you think about all of these things that you had planned, and you feel like it's a, it's a loss of carrying a child. It's the loss of having a child, the loss of being a mother... You know, in raising a child, um, I remember, too, like, the far, the longer it went on, like, any time I got invited to a baby shower mm-hmm. or things like that, it would, it, I would go, but it was difficult to, to go to those kinds of things because you're just, not that you're not happy for those people, but it's just kind of another, like, punch of, oh, like, look at them, they're so happy, like, they're getting... they have what I don't have that I so desperately want. Right. Yeah, I imagine that that would be really hard, especially because you guys kind of set out of, like, we want three to four kids, this is what's going to happen, and then not having an answer to why this was happening. Um, So kind of getting back on the timeline with Ryan, you guys Mm -hmm. tried IUI a few times, and then obviously there was a time when it worked. Yep. Um, And this is the part that will probably make me cry, but (laughs) what was that moment like? Shock. Um, obviously, like, relief and just such excitement and, um, a little, a little nervousness, but, um, I guess later when we talk about what happened later with, with Kara, not that much. I think maybe it helped that, um... I felt good. Like, I, I don't remember worrying that much about, like, what if something happens okay. to this baby. I'm sure I did a little bit, but not a lot. I, I guess I was just so relieved that it had worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I remember being very careful. You remember when we were in yeah. Florida. Yeah, you didn't want the waves to hit and your I was stomach. And yes, <laughs> I was afraid that the waves hit my stomach. Yes. <laughs> you yelled, my baby! <laughs> um, but, yeah, just... And then, I mean the moment this is this is part of when you're trying to have a baby is like it consumes your every 
thought. Mm-hmm. And people, you hear so many people say, just stop thinking about it and it'll happen. Yeah. yeah. And that's really annoying too because it's just like obviously not true. Right. <laughs> There's no like scientific research that if you just. And not to mention the fact that it, it, when you're going through it, it is impossible not to think about it. It's right. all you think about. Well, yeah, and you're taking medication and you're going to the doctor. Yep. It's, it's the biggest part of your life. Um, and, you know, you're analyzing every twinge in your body as like, oh, is that, maybe is this something, is it impl- something implanting right now? Is that, right. What is that, what is that feeling? You're looking at, like, when would this baby that hasn't even happened yet be due? Mm-hmm. And, um... I remember once we found out, like, that all for sure happened again. Like, oh, immediately trying to figure out what the due date would be. And, like, starting thinking of names. And you just, you're just so excited. Yeah. I will say that I remember, because you told us when we were in Florida. uh, At least you told the siblings. You had told the parents before. And on the way home, we'd look at signs and pick out names. Yep. (laughs) Of, like, even the most ridiculous names. We just yelled them out to each other. So we were all very excited. So Ryan was born in 2012. 12. Who had been trying a while, I mean, basically since 2009. So that's a while. Yeah. And then, uh, give or take. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't remember, but it was, yeah, it was probably anywhere from like, from the time he was actually born to when we started. Yeah. Probably at least two years. Yeah. I can't remember. Okay. And then, so once Ryan was born, since you guys knew that you wanted more than one kid, did those conversations happen right away of what do we do now? We want, should we start trying right away? Um, we, we had talked about, like before Ryan was even born, we had talked about kind of like how far would we go the next time. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we knew that we definitely would still want to try to have more kids. Um, once he, once we had him though and i think that the fact that like um the doctor had never been been able to give us an explanation for why it wasn't happening Mm -hmm. and the fact that we were able to conceive him through iui and not anything you know more a little more i can't think of a word but like intense Mm -hmm. then that um did definitely leave me with a lot of hope that like maybe it was just a weird fluke and and we'll be fine from here on out um you know those are other stories that you do hear too that I guess kind of get annoying after a while of like I know someone that had had a lot of difficulty and then all of a sudden they had like three more kids no problem um so we but we definitely I mean we knew we wanted more um, and didn't want to wait forever, but I certainly was not going to, like, start trying right after. I mean, I still wanted to have a little bit of space in between yeah. kids and be able to, like, have Ryan and raise him to a whatever-year-old, you know, before he would have right. a sibling. Okay. So then what were the next steps once you guys decided to... I'm guessing he was probably about two. Okay ish because we, we figured like that's rough maybe give or take because mm-hmm. um, we figured that was relatively a good like um, amount of space in between kids um, you know obviously you kind of always just try starting naturally first no success um, so I did end up back at my doctor and was that um, back at your the specialist or just your OBGYN yeah well okay. I'm sure both yeah but back at the specialist and, um, you know, they do a lot of the tests over again just to make sure nothing has changed since you were the last time and nothing had changed. And um, we tried what had worked with Ryan, and it didn't work. And, and I can't remember, again, how many times we tried, but mm-hmm. we, tr- we tried an IUI, and it wasn't, and it wasn't working. So then... Um, we had started having a lot of conversations about now, you know, okay, now what are we, yeah. um, do we look into adoption? Do we look into IVF, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I like 
staffing just was not an option for me. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, I feel like I wanted the second even more than I wanted the first. Okay. Just because um, I really wanted Ryan to have a sibling. Yeah. You know? Um, so we kind of looked at, and I started looking at, um, you know, my, the place that I had and some other fertility clinics around to look at like what options they had and how much they all cost and I decided to go to another fertility specialist okay I can't remember if I chose them because of the services they provided or because of the cost or what but something about them was was better than where I currently was okay um and before we get into like what worked with Kara by this time people kind of I think knew that you had had trouble with Ryan Uh so were people better about when you guys have a baby number two like I'm sure people who don't know you very well maybe were saying that but was there still that pressure I feel uh I'm gonna say yes just because there's just as many people that don't know you as well that were still asking yeah um then people that do know you well right and we still got asked a lot like okay time for number two yeah like a lot yeah and did people say, like, do you guys want a girl now? Like, I just feel like there's so many annoying things that people um, say. I don't remember that, but more, like, more just about, okay, you know. Yeah. I have I'm, a friend who has two, two boys, and she said people ask her all the time, like, when are you guys going to have a girl? And she's yeah. like, I'm I'm fine with my two boys. Thank you. <laughs> so it just amazes me what people say to other people. Um, okay. So then you went to another fertility specialist, yeah. and what was different about that? So immediately it just felt like my very first appointment with them um, they brought me back, they did an ultrasound, and the lead, like, nurse tech who's doing the ultrasound is doing it, and she's like, I notice, um, an increased blood flow or something. That can be a sign of endometriosis. I notice this. That can be a sign of endometriosis. Okay. Um, And it was the, like, I had spent years with this other place and they just kept telling me, oh, it's unexplained. And in one appointment in ultrasound, all of a sudden they're, like, giving me possible answers. Yeah, that's crazy. It really makes me wonder, like, what the other people were not seeing. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I don't know if they just weren't running the same kind of, if their technology wasn't good, if they weren't running the same kinds of tests I don't know but um it was like in a sense like very much a relief Mm -hmm. to kind of have have an answer so we met with a doctor um and once again obviously they kind of laid out all of the options um and one of the things that he had talked about would be something that we could consider is to have something called a laparoscopy which is surgery um which it's a laparoscopy is technically like the only way to officially diagnose endometriosis because obviously they can't see inside. Mm-hmm. So the only way for them to see inside is to go inside. Um, so the, but that's kind of like the secondary reason to do it. The primary reason is to be able to go in there and um, clean it out, so okay. to speak as much, as much as they can. So, um, that's what we decided to do. It's it is like I mean it's surgery, but it's 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 an outpatient surgery, um, and so I had that done in April of fifteen, I believe. Um, so I had the surgery done, and sure enough, they did confirm I have I had stage three endometriosis, which mm-hmm. is. Um, it's staged the same as cancer. So like stage four is considered the worst. I was at stage three. Um, and he, you know, did what he could do to clean it out, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so to speak. Doesn't endometriosis also mean that you have really hard periods? (laughs) I don't want to be TMI, but doesn't it mean like... So when I had asked about, when I had asked the previous doctor about endometriosis... They told me that I don't really have any of the signs of it. I think there's, like, a whole list of symptoms. Um, 
the only one I really ever had was I I have always had really bad cramps. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, and our, that can be yeah. a um, that is certainly like can be a symptom, but I there's like a whole other list right. of symptoms that I didn't have. Okay, I've since learned from the second doctor that um, there's something like they often call it like silent endometriosis, and they oh. said that often that that is. Um, I remember the doctor saying that sometimes, like, the worse you are, the more, like, silent your symptoms are. Okay. So sometimes it's, like, the stage one, stage two that have more, a lot of those other symptoms, and the three and four maybe, for whatever reason, you don't. Other than I I did always have really bad cramps. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay, so you're diagnosed with, officially with stage three endometriosis, so then what was the next step? So then we were like, okay, well, they cleared it out. I guess we go back to baseline, right, Mm -hmm. And, and try... Um, see if this worked. Yeah. So we tried um, naturally. That didn't work. We tried um, with, again, like taking fertility medications to kind of stimulate things. Um, I'm pretty sure we tried what we did with Ryan again and IUI again and nothing, nothing worked. Yeah, and you, but you still had the mindset that you were going to keep trying. Did, did you ever consider adoption more seriously? Yes and no. Not really, because once we looked into it, like, adoption is actually more expensive than... That blows my mind. ...than IVF. Um, so, I feel like that's another thing that people say is, like, well, you could always adopt. Like, it's yeah. not that easy to just adopt. Yeah, it's it's... It's very, it's very, very expensive. Yeah. So financially, um, we thought, well, I don't know if that really makes sense either. And, um, you know, the other thing we would talk about is, well, at least adoption is more, you're, maybe you're spending more money, but at least it's more of a, like, for sure thing. Yeah. But it's not really a for, sh- for yeah. sure thing. Um, I mean, obviously, it's much, much, much more likely. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not, and I think Dave was a little spooked, even more so than I, than, than like, stories he's heard of people who go through an adoption process and, um, you know, the day the baby's born, the mother changes their her mind. Yeah. Or even sometimes, I mean, we've heard stories of even after that, like, six months after. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was scary. Yeah. <laughs> a scary thought. Yeah, I um the another one of the friends that I mentioned that has dealt with infertility actually has adopted two babies from um I believe Korea, but I might be wrong. And so I'm really excited to talk to her about that process too, but I know that there's a lot that goes into it because we had a cousin that adopted. Um and it's not it's not easy. No. Yeah, either. it takes a very long time. Yeah. Um Okay, so then what, nothing was working, so what was kind of your mindset? Working. So, um, my mindset was still, like, I'm not, I'm, like, I will do anything to have another show. Like, I don't care if I go bankrupt. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not sure Dave necessarily <laughs> felt that way, that, like, I will go bankrupt, but yeah. I really felt like I'll, I'll do, I'll do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, you know, you like are continuing to meet with your doctor and that our, our new doctor, um, laid out the options and he was, I guess you could say piloting something called natural cycle IVF. Um, it's, it was a relatively new procedure, um, that he felt like I would be a pretty good candidate for, um, because in the in the infertility world, I was still considered relatively young, um, and what natural what he was he's not the only one to do this, mm-hmm. but um, natural cycle IVF meant that they would not give me any fertility medications. My body, and this is what you know. He's, I was a candidate for it because really the only thing getting in the way was the endometriosis, right? The scar tissue. But okay. my hormone levels were always fine. I, w- I was ovulating consistently. You know, there weren't any other any other barriers. So natural cycle means that they're going to let the woman um, go through the process 
on her own, not taking any medication or anything. And then um, they're doing ultrasounds and hormone checks to kind of monitor you. And then they trigger you to ovulate and then they complete an IVF procedure with the egg that you produce on your own naturally. Okay. So that was one of the options that he laid out for us as well as what they call like minimal stimulation IVF, which is they give you fertility medication, but maybe not as much as normal. So with like natural cycle, you're producing just your own egg with the minimal. Maybe you're going to produce like two or three. Mm -hmm. And then obviously with like straight up IVF, you're doing anywhere from like six to 10 or 11 eggs or whatever. Yeah, which has um, a higher chance of having multiples, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, and because it was a newer thing and he was kind of still putting a lot of research into it, the natural cycle was significantly less expensive than regular IVF. Okay. Were, so, you, were you kind of tentative because it was new or did you trusted this doctor? I can tell, but. Um, I mean,. They always are reminding you that nothing is a sure thing. And you know that the chances are not nearly as good to do it as it would be to do regular IVF. Mm -hmm. Because with regular IVF, you've got, you know, a lot more eggs and embryos to choose from. This, you only have the one. Right. Um, But I think because we had never, like, this was our first try into, like, the IVF world... Um, and because of the amount of money that it costs, um, compared to regular IVF and because I, you know, I had something going for me too in that, like I had already conceived and carried a child through, you know, yeah, we kind of thought, well, let's, it's worth that. We'll, we'll take the, even though it's the success rates are not as high, we're, we're willing to, to try this instead of straight up full IVF. Okay, and then that was, did it work the first time? It did not work the first time. Um, We got, I mean, everything that was supposed to happen happened. They Mm -hmm. were able to retrieve the egg. They fertilized normally. Um, We put it back in and it just didn't implant. Okay. So Which is obviously is heartbreaking because you're like... You really thought that that was... You were like, how can I yeah. not just stick? Right. You know? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So then how long was it? We tried before? again right away. Oh, right away. Okay. Yeah. I think probably even like the next month. Wow. Okay. Um, and went through the same process. And it was like the night before Thanksgiving of 2015. Uh I went in and they called me that that day to say that I had a pregnancy uh, positive. Oh, wow. And what was your, how did you and Dave react and celebrate to <laughs> that it worked? Um, well, tears. Yeah. And um, we, we had plans to go out that night anyway, because we always go out with a group of friends the night before Thanksgiving. Um, so we went out and obviously had to keep it. Yeah, was it hard to not, like, just yell? <laughs> yell it that, like, hey, we think we're having another baby. <laughs> we're um, having another baby. I mean, we weren't, like, certainly ready to tell anyone yet, but yeah. we did kind of wonder, like, are people just going to be able to tell that, like, something's different yeah. with, you know, yeah, like, we're very a weight is off our shoulders, <laughs> yeah. or, like, you know, I'm not drinking, or yeah. those kinds of, those kinds of things. And at what point did you tell Ryan that he was going to be a brother? Not until um, probably about halfway through, like around 20 weeks or so. Um, How did he? So he was three at the time. I mean, I saw no point in telling him immediately, Mm -hmm. um, one, in case anything happened, which I I don't know why, but I was much more nervous the second time about something something Hmm. happening. Maybe it's because I had heard more stories of people. You know, or maybe it's because you already had one and you loved him yeah, so much that you're like, I can't ever imagine something happening. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but I did worry about that stuff much more. Okay. Um, so one, in case something happened, two, it's such a long time to tell a three-year-old, yeah. you know, whatever. So we told him, I remember it was about 20 weeks because we took him to the, like, 
anatomical ultrasound that they do around 20 okay. weeks. So he knew right around that. Did he that have time. any understanding of what you guys were talking about? Like what it meant? No, uh, no, I mean, he didn't. I remember us being kind of nervous about like what questions is he going to yeah. ask? And he really didn't, you know, we told him and said there was a baby in mommy's tummy and he maybe said one or two things and then it was like, yeah, you know, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I forget what he wanted to name the baby. It was like Flugi. Flugi. Yeah. Flugie. Yeah. Um, so then Kara was born in July. Mm-hmm. So everything went fine with the pregnancy yes i was i was lucky enough with both i I mean i felt like i kind of deserved it after we yeah yeah i would say so (laughs) but i was lucky enough for both to really feel good you know not get really sick with either one of them it was a a complication free um pregnancy and pregnancy and delivery for both of them kara i had to go in for extra ultrasounds because there was a cyst on the placenta okay but they assured me that it was like not interfering with anything. Um, baby was fine. Baby was growing normally, et cetera, et cetera. So. Okay. So now we're Kara's almost three. So mm-hmm. we're years past kind of what you guys were struggling with, and I feel like now it's more talked about. I, some celebrities have come out. Michelle Obama, Chrissy Teigen, are like the two that I can think of off the top of my head who have talked about like. We had a lot of trouble, and mm-hmm. I think Michelle Obama did IVF, and I think mm-hmm. Chrissy Teigen might have too. Um, how do you feel about that it's more talked about now, and some of these celebrities are, like, coming forward to say, talk about it? I'm glad that it is. A part of me wonders, though, if it's just, again, like, the, um, where we are in life, and so we're more attuned to those stories. Mm-hmm. Um you know, not, I, I'm not saying that, like, in sex ed classes they should be talking about this, but I, I, at the same time, I would still guess that most, like, younger girls yeah, are probably still not aware No, they just assume. Well, like in Mean Girls, when they like, don't have sex or you'll get pregnant or yeah. die, I feel like that's pretty much what they say. Right. Not not in those words exactly, but in sex ed, especially in Catholic schools or Christian schools maybe, they're like, nope, it's a, don't do it, you will get pregnant or you'll get an STD. Yes. Like, that's and pretty much what... Even like people in their young 20s that maybe haven't started trying it and, and aren't surrounded by like friends and family yeah. that are also in that stage that are starting to try and so I haven't heard the stories yet... I wonder if there's any more awareness. I don't think so. I would just say, well, maybe, but I would say that um, Tom and I have been married almost two years now, and we get a lot of questions, mostly from either younger people or people older. Like our age group, the 30 year old (laughs) age group, are pretty like, they don't ask, they're like, we would never put pressure because so many people struggle. But I have girls at the gym who are a lot younger than me who are like, when are you and your husband going to have kids? And then I have people who are way older who are like, I think you just need to have a baby. So <laughs> I, I feel like there's still that gap of yes. people who don't quite get it. So why should people refrain from asking uh, couples, especially women, when are you going to have a baby? I mean, just like anything else, you don't really know, right? Like what someone's going through behind behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. Um, and they might be having a hard time getting pregnant or maybe they don't want kids yeah and that's kind of like a I think kind of like a stigma or taboo for people too and everyone has the right to decide like whether or not they want children and how many and etc but um perhaps that person has just decided they they don't want kids and that's fine for them too but when you ask that question, you're like making you're. It's like suggesting that that's what the right thing to do is. Right. Yeah. Um, what would you tell somebody else who might be in your position or other couples that are dealing with this? <sighs> um. I guess, like, I'm not saying that you have to go share your story with everybody, but I I do think it's important to find support somewhere. Mm-hmm. Did you um, join any like support I, groups? Before Ryan I did. I went to a support group. It was helpful. It was um it was an infertility slash I didn't realize this when I signed up for it. It was an infertility slash like l- pregnancy loss group. Oh okay. 
So I think I was the only one there that was like just struggling with infertility. Everybody mm-hmm. else there, um, almost all of them had also struggled with infertility, but then when they had gotten pregnant, had had a miscarriage okay. or some other very tragic, like the infants died, the babies died at birth or something like that. And while it was helpful to um, talk to people, it was a little bit frightening yeah. <laughs> as well because you heard of all of these stories of people that really had a hard time getting pregnant and then they did and then still something horrible happened. Yeah. Um, so find support. I found a lot of, I found it to be very helpful, um, in like talking to, in just talking to and helping other people that I later learned were in the same situation. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, I mean, I remember doing that even more so, like, after I had Ryan, and I don't know if it made it easier to do that once I was able to have the child around. But that's something that has definitely, like, been able to help me cope is just kind of helping other people, like, giving them resources or talking them through it or whatever that I I know or through it or just being able to talk about it because really, like anything else, it's the only, they're the only person that can really truly understand. Yeah. Is if someone else that goes through it. Um, and then the last thing I would say, which is, is, is hard, but this recommendation was made to us is really, um, you know, you have to have like ongoing conversations with your partner about like, okay, like where is the line in Mm -hmm. this and what, what other things are we going to consider or what we, I mean, we talked about like surrogacy. We talked about, um, we because we did natural cycle, um, we did not have to make some of those decisions that you often do with regular IVF if you end up having, like, extra embryos mm-hmm. about um, what you would do with them and things like that. But when we did all the consent paperwork, we still had, even though that was not a situation we were likely to run into because we were only going to have the one egg, they still, it was all the same consent paperwork, so we still had to answer all those questions. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, you, you just have to kind of talk with each other about, like, okay, financially, how far are we going to go? Like, what other resources are we going to look into? What are we going to do if this happens? That Et makes sense. Um, I was kind of picturing this in my head a little bit, but would your doctors kind of, like, tell you what's going on, and then you guys have, com- like carve out time to be like we need to talk about process what the doctor said and then yeah 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 and I feel like you know they did do a real the doctors did really did a do a very good job of kind of laying out all the all of the options giving us they're like this is what I think is the best choice for you Mm -hmm. but but then like stepping back and saying it's totally your right decision as to what you what you decide to do okay um Ryan and Kara are very different individuals. (laughs) Um, And do you ever look at them and just think, like, oh, thank you. Like, thank you so... I'm sure you do as a mom. But, like, thank you so much that I got these two crazy kiddos. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I I kind of said before, you you learn really, really truly, like, it is is a miracle. Mm -hmm. And um, the kind of the cool thing with Kara is when they, like, put the embryo back in me through the IVF process, they gave us a picture of, like, an ultrasound picture of the embryo. So it's basically, like, eight cells divided, (laughs) right, that they put back in. And it's amazing just to, like, look at that and think, like, that's her. Yeah. (laughs) And anytime we drive by the clinic, like, I think... Hmm, that's where Kara spent the first three days. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't remember what we were doing. St. Patrick's Day, I think. I don't know. Someone said something about you got you guys and Chrissy was like, I don't want to know how my niece and nephew were made, and you're like, Well, they weren't made that way. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, I I think that you can be more open about it now and joke about it a yeah. little bit more. Maybe I um, have thought about like when we have the talk, how the talk 
Well, like, I definitely plan uh, That's what I was going to ask that I forgot, is, like, do you feel like you will talk to them yes. about this? Yeah. I think, I mean, obviously, like, everyone has to have the talk with their kids, and but I, I think that that will be a part of our, our talk, mm-hmm. is that, um, you know, maybe this is, like, the traditional way. <laughs> yeah. But there are other ways that, you know, you can have a baby, and this is how you were made, and... Um, you know, like, just if anything, also to not only, like, like let them know that this these kind of things exist, but also, like, just another way, I think, to show them, like, we wanted you that badly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you yeah. were, that's important to us to have. Yeah. That's really special. I feel like there's so much pressure on women and couples that, like, that's just the natural next step. Mm-hmm. Like, people just expect, you're going to get married, you're going to have a baby. Um, and I don't know. I, I wonder if there's a little bit of like shaming (laughs) with this too, of or like women who maybe can't get pregnant feeling ashamed of like, what's wrong with me? Why Mm -hmm. can't I get pregnant? And that breaks my heart because it's like, there's nothing wrong with you. You didn't do anything. Right. Uh, and that must be really hard. I imagine, I mean, I, I'd never really like, really felt this way like it was really eating at me but like the thought crosses your mind and I'm sure there are people that like it really eats at them more so you know of like it's my fault kind of thing yeah like you know I'm the reason Uh (laughs) that we can't that we can't have a baby and I get luckily like I never I for whatever reason I was able to be in a mental state that like I never that that never really like really took me down but there is a a little piece of like well like my spouse wouldn't be going through this if I didn't have this yeah this problem if only Eve hadn't eaten that apple (laughs) (laughs) the men would be the ones going through well there's plenty of uh, I know (laughs) plenty of they I believe it's like 50 50 about yeah whether it's due to male infertility or female infertility um or maybe like a third and a third and a third kind of where it's like male female or you know sometimes both yeah and don't get me wrong i know this is really hard for the men in the situation also i just feel like the pressure on the woman to have because she's the one carrying the baby is is more yes i think it's probably if it it's if it's due to like male male infertility i wonder if it is even more like embarrassing oh shameful yeah yeah I, I would tend to think that maybe it could be. Yeah, but, I think so, maybe. Um, the men don't get it because it's not the it's not happening to their bodies, right? right? Like, and luckily Dave got that, but I remember saying, like, like you're not the one who's getting these shots injected into you. Yeah. You're not the one that's, like... It, I think it's easier for the when people say, like, oh, just try to, like, not think about it. I wonder if it's a little bit easier for the men to just not think about it because yeah. it's not happening to their bodies. Yeah. They're not the ones not that are, medication. like, yeah. waiting for their period to come or not come or, again, like, analyzing every twinge in their body right? things like that. Okay. So, um, as you know, Dad used to say, build each other up, don't tear each other down. And so I have everybody give me somebody that they want to build up. Oh, boy. Um... I guess I would, well, one, I want to just, like, again, throw out support to those that are in the same position. Um, And I will also build up, like, the staff and the people at, um, you know, my fertility Mm -hmm. clinic. They are, not only are they, like, doctors and nurses, but they're, you know what I mean? They function as counselors. They function as... They're, like, really, truly, like, going through this journey with you. And it is, like, a 365-day-a-year job, right? Like, they just, they're in on weekends and holidays and stuff. If somebody needs, because of where their cycle is going, needs treatment that day. Yeah. um, they They are there. I wonder what would make somebody want to go into like that specifically I guess that's the truth with any medical field but it does seem to me that it would be very emotionally taxing yeah. to be you'd probably be celebrating with people right. when they find out but also like the heartbreak of for people it's not working for yeah yeah, yeah. okay 
And then something fun. So something really fun that you want to recommend that people do or see or listen to. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you said in your email Fort Walton Beach. Oh, that's because <laughs> I was supposed to be going there. Yeah. We were supposed to do this and then the kids were right. sick or something. Um, well, yeah, it's spring. It's been a pretty cruddy weather-wise few days here in Michigan. Mm-hmm. By um, the time this comes out. It'll be June, so... Okay. <laughs> it's April, but it feels like it's yeah. January. Yes. <laughs> but the this week is looking better with some sunshine and warmer temps. So I am definitely a big believer in, like, good old... Like, the, what the sunshine can do for you. Yeah. And spending time outside and, and whatnot. So go find something to do fun outside. Yes. Hopefully everybody's doing that now that it's, we're speaking in the future, but now that it's June, <laughs> hopefully everybody will be outside and enjoying that. Cause I agree. There is just such a difference when the sun is out. And like we said, this weekend in particular in April has been cold and windy and rainy and it, it's not fun. So let's hope for the sun to come back. Oh, I did think of something else for people to know. We never okay. went down this road. Um, and not to, like, give recommendations that I don't know will work or not. But I have heard some things about acupuncture. Okay. And um, that can be not by itself, but, like, in coordination with different um, treatments can... There is, like, some beginning research on possibly acupuncture helping a little bit. Okay. That's good to know. Okay, if anybody has follow-up questions, you don't really have, like, social media that you want to plug, right? Not really. Yeah. If anybody has follow-up questions for Maureen, you can send them to me, and I will get them to her. But, again, this is a topic that I'm going to be doing a couple of times just to show the different um, different things that happen to people and the different routes that they go once they're faced with this. So um, more to come on this topic. But thank you, everybody, and thank you, Maureen, for sharing your story.